It's the Asian Boxing Podcast. Scott and Colin, AsianBoxing.info is the website. Why am I even saying it? You know already. We had a lot of boxing this past week, and boy, do we have a lot of news as well. So, Scott, let's get right into it. Let's start off with last week's card, Andy Hiraoka, one of the young up-and-coming stars in Japan. He fought on this card. He came away with the victory. He did, and it was, I don't want to say it was a gimme, but it essentially was. He just walked through his opponent who had nothing to offer. Um, the belt was obviously to sort of reintroduce him to a Japanese audience, and Fumisuke Kimura offered almost nothing for two and a half rounds, and Katsuhiko Nakamura was in no real position to let the belt go on. Easy win for Hiroaka. Um, fingers crossed something bigger, better, more illustrious comes along next. That's what I want to see. I want to see Andy with a live opponent because I think he's capable of fighting someone who is dangerous, could possibly give him a loss. You look at his record, it's pristine, he's undefeated, but I'd rather see him in with live competition who can challenge him. Somebody like Daishi Nagata, the Japanese champion, would be a fantastic opponent. Set it up, Scott. We're ready for it. Also on this card... Another undefeated prospect, Taku Kuahara. He was up against Yoshiki Minato in about the... If you look at the scorecards, it was one-sided. It was easy. If you watch the footage of the belt, it was a tough, fantastic eight-round belt. Minato may not have won a round, but he put in a credible effort in every round. Kuahara had to work for every minute of every round. It was a brilliant, brilliant eight-round, um, high-quality bout between two guys who have genuinely bright futures ahead of them. Moving from Japan to Thailand, Sriskit Sorungvisai back in the ring, and this more or less was another type of tune-up fight for him because he had been out of the ring for a couple of months, but they're just trying to get him ready for another big fight. Yeah, so his bout was literally just a tune-up. The Thai TV channel weren't hiding that. It was shit some ring rust and get him out to face the winner of Roman Gonzalez won Francisco Estrada's rematch, which occurred about 18 hours later. Um, a smart idea. smart idea by Dazon, who made sure to have this card on as well as the Gonzalez-Estrada card. Yeah, it's a bit like Hiroaka, just a case of getting him out and getting a win under his belt. Any other good fights on this this card, Scott? The Fongs von Panyakum versus Karun Jarunlipert or um, Petr Bangbong Kichim is uh, some, well, no imag. That was really good. Really, really high tempo, 10 round war. Well worth finding on a design or online if you search the names in Thai. Really, really, really good 10 rounder. Um, the other bout between Shanai Warawa and Pung Lung Saw Singyu is a bit one sided for my liking. Uh, Pung Lung somehow came in five pounds over the super bantamweight limit. So he came in at 127 pounds. It was inexplicable for such an experienced professional to do that. I guess we've, we've seen worse, but it's pretty bad. Pretty unprofessional. Scott, let's move from Thailand over to Dallas, Texas. This was the big one. Hiroto Kiyoguchi defending his... Title and boy, it was a great fight early. Unfortunately, just a freak injury halted this bout. 
Yeah, from the off, the styles just gelled. These two, um, Hirotaki Yagushi and Axel Aragon Vega, from the off, their styles gelled for the first four rounds. It was just a form booth war. Absolutely brilliant. It's the introduction that I think fans who hadn't seen Kayagushi needed to see him. It was sort of a performance that will turn heads and we'll get we'll get fans interested in both guys. Um, I thought for the first three rounds, this was completely and utterly brilliant. Round four, I think we saw Kayagushi finally go and change his tactics, jab more, move more, relax a little bit and find his range. And then round five, we ended up with the, the really unfortunate injury to Vega, who I believe broke a metacarpal in his hand in uh, landing a right hand. A real, real disappointment to what had been a fantastic fight. You hit it right on the nail there. Kyoguchi, his style is a brawler style, and he's great at working on the inside, so he's not really used to jabbing and keeping a guy at bay. That's that's not usually what he does, but in that fourth round, he started to do that when he realized, hey, I mean, Vega's four or five inches shorter than me. It's just going to be more beneficial that I do this because even though he was having success on the inside, Vega was as well. Yeah, it seemed like he went, I can make life easier for myself if I use my job, use my straight punches. And as soon as he started doing that, he was keeping Vega range, he was controlling the tempo. I think he he's quite smart. We've seen it in the past where he's made adaptions to his uh, fighting style. He did against Boodler when Boodler took off a massive lead early on and he ground him down. He's a smart fighter and I think anyone gives him credit for. And it was close at the time of the stoppage. I think a couple of judges had this tied. So for Kiyoguchi, I wouldn't say it was a sigh of relief because Vega was really doing well. I think Kiyoguchi was figuring things out. He was eventually going to get the victory. But a good debut, U.S. debut for him. What do you think is is next for Kiyoguchi? I believe there's a contractual obligation to first Donong Sak Simshri. They were meant to fight last year before Kaiguchi tested positive for COVID. I think the plans for that about to take place in the summer and then potentially back up to the U.S. later in the year. Also on this card, we, we have to talk about it, Scott. I know they're not Asian boxers, but Chocolatito, he was wearing a Japanese flag on his trunks. I guess the country has adopted him because he fought in Japan so many times and of course, he's adopted them as well. Chocolatito, Juan, Francisco, Estrada, both these guys really gave us a good bout. Yeah, I think we all expected a fantastic bout. We got exactly what we expected. Um, the only down mark, if we can say that, was Carl Sucro's scorecard, which is just bizarre. Um, it wasn't a 9-3 fight either way. But yeah, other than that, fantastic fight. I... I thought Gonzalez nicked it personally, but either way, brilliant fight. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we see them have a rubber match one day. But they're just so well matched as fighters. Um, yeah, nothing much more to say. It's the best fight of the year so far by some margin. I agree. And while I do think Chocolatito did just edge him out, I was not disappointed at seeing Estrada win 115-113 because I think you... You could make a case. I know a lot of people were saying robbery, um, but I just think it was that 117-111 card that was maybe skewing people's minds and saying, all right, this was a robbery. No, I, I think there are a couple swing rounds where you could have seen Estrada winning 
and 115-113 not out of not out of left field. Yeah, one one five, one one three either way. Even a draw would have been complete spot on. Just that one crazy card we tend to see a lot with matching shows. You hear that, Eddie Hearn? We're calling you out. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast, Asianboxing.info. Scott and Colin, a great weekend of boxing. I was encouraged because it was just good to see all these different fights start to come up. And I, I know it's been a little slow to start out the year, but Scott, it's not slowing down. The train is, is moving now, and it's really going to speed up as as we move into the months of April and May. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the upcoming bouts. One of them I really wanted to highlight, also on DAZN, an Uzbekistan card. All these great amateurs from Uzbekistan fighting. The the main bout on that card, Ryosuke Iwasa against Akhmadaliev for a couple of titles. Yeah, this is Mujan Akhmadaliev's first defense of his WBA Super Super Bantamweight and IBF Super Bantamweight world title against former IBF champion current interim IBF champion Iwasa. Um, it's a mandatory. It was ordered by the IBF. It was meant to take place last year before um, well, before 2020 became 2020. And it's a mouth-watering clash. Akhmadaliev is one of the most underrated guys in the sport. A unified champion after eight bouts, unbeaten, a former amateur standout. Iwasa, on the other hand, himself an underrated fighter. A bit more basic, but a heavy-handed fighter, and he knows a loss. He is probably the end of his career, um, at least at world level. A win, and he's made it clear what he wants. If he wins this, he wants to face Luis Neri. So, for those who perhaps are undecided on who they want to win, Iwasa versus Neri as a um, as a little reason to spot Iwasa. He wants to get some revenge. For one of his countrymen, maybe. He does. He stepped out of the press conference um, earlier this week. Uh, so, yeah, that's a mouthy, uh, mouth-watering matchup that we might see if he wins here. You know what? This is a, it's a toss-up for me. I know Akhmedaliev is tough. I know he's extremely skilled, but so is Iwasa. Any other guys you're looking for on this card? I know they're Uzbekistans, but, you know, we'll count that as, as being somewhere in Asia, because it kind of is. It's Central Asia. There's, yeah, literally every Uzbek on this card is worth making a mental note of, such as Shakram Giyasov, Hassan Boy Duzmatov, Israel Majumov, Bakadir Jalilov, Elna Abdurramov, Sanjar Tersinov, Iqbal John Kaldrov, and Mirza Zizabek, Mirza Kalilev. All those guys are fantastic. Uh, Kaldrov and Mirza Kalilev will be making their debuts. Um, the other ones should be well known to boxing fans. Giyasov and Madrimov have fought, fought multiple times in the zone. Jalalov, famously knocked out um, an amateur a few years ago on a World Amateur Championship and got lambasted by, I don't know, if the WBA or the WBC head honcho. These are really tied young guys and... If you're tuning for the main event, make sure you do watch these guys coming through because they're all going to be fast-tracked. Scott, I got really excited for all the news that was coming up that I did gloss over 
the bout that did happen today, actually, at Karakin Hall. So let's let's go back to it. It was the IBF World Female Adam title fight between Ari Matsuda and Saimi Hanagata. How did this one shake out? I don't know why we call it the IBF World Female Atom Weight Tail. There's no men's atom weight tail. Um, as for the actual, it was, it was really, really, really good. I know a lot of people hate on female boxing and they want to select it for this reason or that reason, the quality, the action. This was brilliant. Uh, Matsuda is a very technical boxer. Hanagata is a pressure fighter. Their styles gel perfectly from round one to round 10. Every round was competitive and compelling. Round seven and eight, particularly brilliant. Um, it ended in a draw. Neither fighter looked unhappy about it. Um, there was a clear respect between the two when the bell started. Uh, just a really, really, really good female bell. And unfortunately, this is Hannah Gatton's last bout. She's retiring to become a elementary school teacher. How about that? How, if you walk into the room and your elementary school teacher is a former prize fighter, you're not going to mess around. Former world champion, you're 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 going to obey her. If she says sit down in your seat, you better do it. Especially given her style, she'll come at you. She's not one of these defensive smart fighters. She'll come at you and yeah, yeah. It's a fantastic way for her to end her career um, as a reigning champion with a second defense under her belt. And it's a shame she she's retiring at the top. I would have loved to have seen a rematch for this one. Also on this card, someone of note, Scott, because he he's a fighter who is making his debut, but he has said that he he's going to take down the monster. He will be the first to beat Naoya Inoue. This is Narumi Yukawa, um, who, yeah, on Box Mob, his goal for the spot is to beat the monster. And he made a really, really entertaining debut against Yuya Azuma. He's got a really interesting backstory. He got caught with some pot and got given a suspended sentence. Hasn't fought in about five years at all due to the suspended sentence that ended his amateur career, a very promising amateur career. And he he uh, is very, very, very fun to watch. Very hands down, lots of hooks and uppercuts, not too much jabbing, not too much movement. Uh, but yeah, he beat up Azuma. He tried to go off the stop vision, couldn't get him out, but very dominant win. His bout and the Hanagata Mitsuda bout are both available on Boxing Rares for subscribers, and both of them are worth checking out. Now, yeah, Inoue, you have your notice now. This kid's coming for your titles. Better watch out. Coming for your own. The O must go sometime, and who knows? This kid might be the one to do it. Uh, let's get back to our news, Scott. I, I totally forgot about just Middle of the week bouts usually don't register in my mind, so that's why I skipped over it, glossed over it, but I knew it was worth talking about. Let's get back to the news, though, Scott. We talked about April 3rd, Iwasa Akhmedaliev. Also on April 3rd, another boxing legend back in the ring, Donnie Nietes in Dubai. Donnie Nietes returning for the first time since the very, very end of 2018. He um, he probably made the biggest mistake of his career when he vacated the WBO Super Flyweight title that he took when he beat Kazuto Ayoka and Macau. 
he should be run with that tail, especially how hot the super flyweight division is. He then um, sort of toiled as ALA promotions struggled with everything and finally closed. He's now 38. He He's a legend, um, but he wasted probably two of the best years of his career and now comes back against a guy Ayoka beat years ago in Pablo Carrillo. It's hard to complain about a guy shaking some ring rust after two years old, but this is literally a shake a ring rust type fight for a guy who's 38. He needs to get in there with the top names and now rather than, than finding the likes of Carrillo that do nothing for his career. It is cool seeing him get back in there, but do you think maybe it, it was better for him just to stay retired at, at this age? I think he wants to face a, a legend. I think he wants to face Gonzalez. I think that's been on his mind for the last two, three, four years. So I think if he's back and that's his target, a ring rust shaking fight here, then Gonzalez, then win or lose retirement. I think that's probably what he's got in mind. It may have been better for him to retire on the higher beat Mallorca become a four-weight champion, but I think in his mind, he always felt he deserved a Gonzalez fight, and I think that's probably why he's back. Really incredible. You look at the super flyweight division, just all the fights that could be made with Gonzalez, Nieta's back, Estrada fighting Srisket's Rungvisai, we still have Ioka waiting in the wings, Tanaka, young up-and-coming star, the division is just on fire. Yeah, it's one of those where you put probably eight or nine names together and end up with an amazing belt and just selecting the name random, you end up with a different but very amazing belt. You've got power punches, you've got pressure fighters, you've got speedy guys, you've got technical guys. A really nice mix. It's a division that could give us absolutely anything and I think it's now finally starting to get some attention internationally. Unfortunately, we didn't get a build on the Tom Loeffler super flyweight season when that's really when we needed it. For me, the two top divisions in boxing, super flyweight and welterweight, the difference is these guys, these little guys at super flyweight, they're making the fights. That's the big difference. Both of them are stacked, but at welterweight, guys aren't fighting each other. So... What's the division I'm going to pay attention to? It's going to be the super flyweight division. And to me, it's it's number one in boxing. I'd also throw in the light flyweight division. I think that's fantastic. You've got Kayaguchi, Kenshiro, Elwin Soto, Felix Alvarado, and Vega proved himself. That's a top division where perhaps they haven't got the name value, but there's so many great fights you can make at 108. Kyoguchi, Shiro, we're ready. We're waiting. Christmas Day, 2021. I'm calling it now. The Christmas present we all deserve. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast with Scott and Colin. Scott, what other news do we have? We have a lot of shows being announced, or bouts being announced. Um, we just briefly mentioned the Super Flyweight Division. It's worth noting that Yoen Ankerhaf is back on April 10th against Jonathan Javier Rodriguez. Uh, this is a mandatory for Ankerhaf. It's part of the Segai Lipinets versus Jaron Ennis card on Showtime. It's not about I'm a big fan of. It's another nothing bout for Anka Hart, but it's nice to see him back in the ring, I guess. It's just a shame he's missing out on every single top super flyweight. He's recently signed with PBC, and he's not going to get any of the big names in the division in what is another in a long line of weird moves from Anka Hart. On May 6th, we'll see Ryota Toyoshima 
and Yuki Beppu fighting a RPBF WBR Asia Pacific welterweight unification belt. That was announced this week and should be an absolute brawl. Beppu is best known for his 2019 winner over Ryota Yada, where he's dropped out six times and managed to get out the win. Uh, Toyoshima um, won the RPBF title earlier this year in a really, really fun fight. And their stars should gel. Both guys like to throw punches. On May 22nd and May 23rd, Dangan will host three cards over the space of two days. The main events for two of those shows have been announced. And one of them will be Oriyoji Fukunaga versus Takahiro Fuji on May 22nd for the, for the Triple Crown at Super Flyweight. Another exciting Super Flyweight moment. And the following day, Kiyosuke Sawada and Ikuru Sadatsune will fight for the Japanese Bantamweight title. There is still one card from this sort of three show series that needs to be announced. But some really exciting action being announced from May already. Lots to look forward to for the month. And it looks like summer's going to be really, really, really exciting. Just incredible hearing you list off all that is to come. And I, I'm excited for it because I think I've been, you know, I've been able to see some of these fights and some of, you know, what has gone on over the past couple of months. But it really hasn't been enough for me, I guess, as a boxing fan. I, I've yearned for more. And now, finally, it's coming to fruition. Uh, there are more fights on the way. So that's very exciting. Uh, Murata Inoue, any news on them? Are they uh, close to getting back in the ring? Sadly, nothing's really been reported. Murata and Golovkin are said to be in talks to fight later this year. My guess, if that takes place, it would be late summer or winter. Um, originally, the hope was for Murata to fight at a, a dome venue. And for that to happen, we would probably need it to be in summer. So September, possibly the latest we'll see him versus a big name. I think if it doesn't happen in September, it'll never happen. Because I think the age of Marat and Golovkin probably would see about there sort of lose its allure. But if they set up for this summer, a brilliant, brilliant bout. It's thrilling action. Um, Golovkin looked really good last time, but Marat's pressure and toughness could perhaps ask questions. Uh, as for anywhere, he will fight Michael Dasmarinas. We just don't know when. Make it happen. Let's do it. Make it happen soon and get in the ring three times. I know that's what Inoue wanted to do, but obviously the pandemic kind of put a stop to that at least last year. But it, it would be beneficial for him to get in, in there three times this year. Yeah, at least twice. If it's Birmingham twice, fine. But yeah, three times there. A spring, a summer, and a winter. A late December day. And we'll all be happy. Um, but yeah, there's too many fighters still just sort of twiddling their thumbs and waiting for fights and really losing any career momentum they had. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast. Asianboxing.info. We're not losing any of our career momentum, Scott. We are rolling like the wind. We're already... For all that is to come, because it's it's uh, finally here. The boxing season is well underway. It's in full swing, and we'll be keeping you updated throughout. 
Again, thank you so much for making us a part of your day. It's AsianBoxing.info, the Asian Boxing Podcast, and we will talk to you next week.